0: Lord we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord we do thank you for a country where we do have freedoms and even though we're seeing things changed we ask you to bless this country. Bless us as we are citizens of this country. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to take a trip off of Luke this week and talk about patriotism a little bit. Patriotism is becoming a topic in our country that is almost banned. It's banned in schools almost completely. Over the Last week, I've been reading a lot of articles in the papers and on the on the internet. They were saying the churches should not even talk about patriotism. Should not talk about our country this year, which meant that I was going to talk about the country. <laughs> All right. I do want to put us in some balance as we talk about this, though, because it has been true in this country that we have put God and country together, as if our country could do no wrong, and you know it was the way to go. I do believe in our country, and I do believe it's been a godly country. It started out on the right path, more, more or less. <laughs> uh, but it did start out as a Christian nation. And God prevailed early on in our, in our nation, and it has laid the foundation for us to have the freedoms that we have that are falling apart in, in our day and age. And, you know, it's been quite interesting. It started in the mid-1800s, where our country started turning away from God. We're going, well it was pretty godly when I was in school, when I was young it was pretty godly not compared to what it used to be. all right. In the 1850's John Dewey started us on the path of public education away from God. Before that public education all had the Bible as its central theme and God was the focus of everything going on. You learned your catechism, Christian catechism going to school. all right. Then, during Dewey's days, he pulled away the catechisms and he barely let the Bible be read and studied in school. So, since the mid 1800s, our country has been declining from the standard that we had. You know, in the 1700s, we had almost 100% literacy in America because the founding fathers knew that education was important. Why was education important to them? They wanted us to be able to read this book. They knew that if we couldn't read this book, then we. So everything about early America was geared toward God. Now, am I saying every person in America was saved? No. Many of them were just good people. They'd been, they had knew what God wanted, and they lived that way because that was the expectation. So we're going to look a little bit, in, and I'm going to go to Philippians 3.20. We're going to be all over the scriptures today, so you might just want to write a lot of these verses down. I've marked them in my Bible. We're going to start at in, in uh, Philippians 3:20, and then we're going to go to Luke 10. Philippians 3:20 says, "For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, and it shall be fashioned un- like unto his glorious body. According to the working thereby, he is able even to subdue all things unto himself." Now, in the King James, it says "conversation." This is a sad translation should be citizenship. First and foremost, our citizenship as Christians is in heaven. It is our home. It is our look. Now, we for years have had Christians, you know, tying into the government scene, and I'm saying we need to be part of the, we need to be part of the political scene. Don't separate ourselves from the political scene, because if you don't vote according to your godly convictions and I'm not going to tell you what those are but if you're not voting according to your convictions for people to reign in this country, you're part of the problem that our country is facing. And I'm going to tell you for over a hundred years the church has backed away from politics and said well that's politics we don't have anything to do with it. I don't know if you all are aware but in the in the original 13 colonies every colony had an religious oath of God to be, be able to serve in their government. And you go, well, what about the separation of the church and state? Well, there's no such thing to begin with. All right? if, you re- if you believe that the, the Cong- uh, Constitution has the separation of church and state, you need to read the Constitution. It's not there. Matter of fact, it says that Congress shall make no laws provi- uh, stopping us from meeting. Okay, in very simple terms. All right, or to believe what we believe. Yet they do it all the time in today's world because they have changed what the Constitution says to something that's not even in the Constitution and so we need to be able to understand first and foremost our citizenship is in heaven we in America are very fortunate that we have a government that for the most part has allowed us to be able to worship God and not just worship him but to take our beliefs out into the street and this is something we need to be aware of. The government is trying hard to change even that definition. Listen to the politicians speak anymore, and what you're going to hear them say is that we have the freedom to worship. Not the freedom of religion, which is what we're, what we're told we have, but we have the freedom to worship. What does that mean? Well, we're inside this building. We can do what we want. We have the freedom to do what we want inside this building, according to them. I can do what I want in my house, but don't dare take it out into the world. If that's true, then I have no freedom of religion. Because if I can't live my religion out in the world, I don't have freedom. And this is where the disciples kept getting in trouble with in the first century. They kept getting arrested because they kept telling them, don't preach this Jesus guy. And they're going, well, we must obey God. And so this is where we're at at this point in time. And I'm going to leave us because I want us to be balanced in our understanding of patriotism. First and foremost, we're citizens of heaven. We have a God in heaven that we need to obey. In Luke 10, verse 20, Jesus is talking to the disciples. The disciples have just gone out witnessing. You know, Jesus has sent the disciples out to witness. They have been able to cast out demons. The demons have listened to them. They come back and Jesus tells them, they're all excited. God, we have power. This is wonderful. We're excited. And Jesus tells them in verse 20, Notwithstanding this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. This is for us. We in America have been so blessed to have no little to no persecution in America for being a Christian there are places around this world right now today where people are dying because they're a Christian millions of people die in this world every year just because they are a Christian we don't hear about it in America unless you're listening to the right right people and the right activities but there are places where your life expectancy as a Christian is about six months you get saved and you almost know that you're going to die within six months. We're fortunate we don't have, to have that problem, but you know, in some ways their churches are stronger. They know that they're trusting in God. The church in America has become weaker and weaker every generation. This country used to send more missionaries out into the world than, than any other country. This country now receives more missionaries than any other country. Because we are so fallen from the height that we are. And this is an amazing thing. We have churches everywhere. Open up a phone book. We don't use phone books. So Google it and see how many churches are in this area. You know, just in Kingman, there are some 30 or 40 churches for 30,000 people. How many of them are actually preaching the gospel is another story. There are some good ones. Don't get me wrong. There are some good ones there. But there's a lot of them that don't teach the gospel. We have people from all around the world coming to America because they know how little the gospel is being taught. We need to be challenged. Are we gonna stand up for the gospel? Are we going to present the gospel? Our citizenship is in heaven. And we need to be able to understand that. In Revelation, it tells us that rejoice for our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're a Christian, your, your destination is heaven. This is a, this is a temporary stop. <laughs> In your, in your trip. Now we look at it, what do you mean temporary? I've been living for 100 years and it seems like it's been an awful long time. You know, uh, it's still temporary. When you get to heaven and you've been in heaven for 20 gazillion years, you'll look back and say, what was that time that I spent on, you know, on my vacation over there that was so hard? And you know, what, what was that? That was nothing. We need to understand this is not our home. If you feel at home in this world, there's something wrong. And I'm not going to say you're going to be miserable all the time and everything. When you're on vacation, you usually enjoy your vacation, but there's still that longing to go home. I'm looking forward to being in my bed, my room, my chair, reading my books from my library, rather than being away. And I've been on vacations that are lots of fun. You know, They're, they're enjoyable, but I'm still looking forward to going home. We need to have that desire we're looking forward to going home. Going home and spending eternity with Christ and with the Father. And this is very important, and I'm laying this as our first foundation. This is not our citizenship. This is not our home. This is not our, our hope is not in our government. If it is, we're we're sorry people. uh, Because my hope is not in the government, because most of them lie to us anyway. They tell us one thing and do another thing when they get there. And then they do what's gonna keep them in power, what they think is gonna keep them in power. And our nation is going downward every generation, every year it's going downward. And it's been a long time. Don't you know, We always think of how bad it's getting now. We're at the end of the bad. We're not at the beginning of the bad. All this stuff that started in the 1800s and the early 1900s have led to where we're at today. Historically, we're in a terrible position. Historically, we are at the end of our nation without a revival. You can look at the Bible's history, what happened to Israel and, and Judah. You can look at what happened all through history. Just open up any history book and look at what was going on in the, in the countries before they fell. Homosexuality, uh, adultery, fornication, transgenderism, sound a little familiar? This was the downfall of every great empire all through history. They would start out strong and victorious, following their their God, whatever God, sometimes it wasn't God, but they're following God. Then they would get lazy. And then they would start drifting into sins. And then God would say, enough is enough. Our country, strong for a hundred years, started getting lazy and has now been drifting into sins and it keeps getting worse with each, each sin. We are at the end, historically, we are at the end of our nation. I think we're historically at the end of the world, but that's another story. That's a, that's a whole other message. We're not going to go there. For the fall of our nation. And know that things are going to change. We're already seeing the move against Christianity, even within our own government. And our own organizations are making life difficult for true Bible-believing Christians. Our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. So we want to keep this in mind. Now, what does this mean for us as, as people? You know, is in heaven, so I shouldn't care about my country. Well, I want to go to Romans 13 for just a moment. Because now we're going to turn the corner a little bit about our citizenship and patriotism. Romans 13, chapter 1. Higher powers, for there is no power but God. There are powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resist the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror of good, to good works, but not be afraid of the power. Do that which is good, and you shall have praise from the same. Paul is writing this to the church when they had a really, really nice Caesar in charge. His name was Nero. Now, if you know anything about Nero, Nero was killing Christians. Paul's telling the Christians, "Be you are subject to this man who's out to try to kill you, because God put him in place." As the world changing, we need to be obedient, as obedient as we can be to the government without violating God's rules. Sadly, these verses were used by the Lutheran Church in in Germany during Hitler's reign. And the Lutheran church kept telling all their people, You need to obey this crazy nut up there. <laughs> you know, they didn't put it that way, but you know, this crazy nut who's telling you to kill the Jews and kill the gypsies and everything. We, we've got to obey our leaders and not go against them. There is a time when we stand with our citizenship in heaven and say, No, I'm not going to follow the government. Now, Having said that, in, in Acts five twenty nine, we read the disciples tell leaders, "We need to obey God rather than men." And we know, you all know, I teach is very different than it's taught in most places. Most people will say, "Well, I'm obeying God. It I, I just obey God." Well, that is true. But what happened to the disciples when they said that? They were still beat. They were still scourged. They were still thrown into prison. God says, okay, I want you to obey me. It does not release you from the punishment of the government. Now, God will will take care of the government. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay in his time. Now, we don't like that part. We don't like that in his time part. You know, God, that person hurt me. That government hurt me. That person has made me. I want to get them, and I want them yesterday. I want them to be got yesterday. And God says, "I've got a plan. I will take care of them." Then He tells us to do something that's really, really interesting for us. He says, "Forgive them. Don't seek revenge." Now we know how easy that is to do when we just want to tear somebody apart. We know how easy it is to forgive them, don't we? Uh, you know. And it is tough because our job as Christians is to forgive, to allow God to work in that nation, that individual. This puts us in a very interesting predicament at times when we're told do this or else, and we go God says that's wrong, where do we stand? Are we gonna stand and say it is wrong and take the punishment that comes with saying it's wrong. Those of you who have read The Hiding Place know that that's what the Ten Boon family did. They said, no, what, what they're telling us is wrong. Now, I think they might've gone a little far off in, in their standing against God, but that's between them and God. They got great victories. They saved a lot, a lot of Jewish lives. So am I somebody that can say they're wrong? No, that's between them and God. We need to determine where are we going to stand. I've got a lot of friends. They're, willing, they're, gonna, they're, they're all set to take up arms against our country if it, if it turns any further than it's turning. I don't know where I will be on that because I do know that God put them in place and I don't know what the right answer is. That is something you're going to have to determine yourself when it comes down to this point. All I know is I'm going to stand for God and I will probably end up in prison for standing for God. And this is our decision, where are you going to be? When it comes to the decision, am I going to stand with God in my heavenly citizenship or with our turning world? Now I'm all for patriotism, I grew up in a military family. You know, uh, you, know you, ser- you served God, you served your government, you, ser- you served in the military, you-, you voted, all these other things that go along with being in a military family. I'm all for patriotism, I'm all for honoring our country but it must be held in balance to where we are with what we're doing. Hitler used his people, the religion against his people and he was good at it. You know, the Jews to this day have a hard time with Christians because everything Hitler did in the persecutions of the, of the Jewish people, he tacked on in God's name. You know, he was doing it for Jesus especially at the beginning, so he could get the churches to come in, and he used scripture. Never forget that the enemy, especially Satan, knows the scriptures better than you do. He knows them better than I do. He can twist scripture, he can manipulate the scriptures to make us think that we're doing the right thing and the totally wrong thing. This is why it's important for us to know the scriptures. Know what you believe, why you believe it, because Satan and the world are going to use the scriptures against us. You know, everybody in this room, when you were growing up, the, the number one verse that everybody knew was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Gospel verse. Gospel with that verse. Do you know what the number one verse is in today's world? Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. It's out of context, and it's used incorrectly, but that is the world's favorite verse. That's a sin. Judge not. That's a sin. Judge not. Look at that. That's what God says. Judge not. We need to be very careful because God tells us what is sin, and we need to speak what is sin. Not judging. I'm not judging anybody. When I tell somebody that it is sin, I'm not judging them. They still have to stand and fall before God, but I'm going to say, this is what God says about it. This is sin. Activity is sin. You're, I'm not your judge. I'm nobody's judge. I'm not the judge of anybody in this church. I have enough trouble keeping my own life in shape, much less trying to help everybody else keep their lives in shape. I can tell you what God says, and that's my job, to teach you what God says. Your job is how are you going to respond to what he says. And this is very important. Uh, Matthew 22:21. Jesus said that you were to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. You know, in other words, give him his taxes. Now, I'm like everybody else. I hate giving the government taxes. I just had to write my self-employment check this last week to pay my taxes for being the pastor and getting money from the church. Now, I have to pay my own taxes for that. Now, uh, by the end of the year, my tax bill is quite high. <laughs> from the other from the other job I have. Now, I don't like paying those taxes. I really don't like paying the taxes for what they use my money for. But you know what? Jesus said, "Render to Caesar what is Caesar's." Because they could use that same logic. Well, you know, uh, Jesus, I don't like giving Caesar the money because he's building all these armies and they're and they're giving us a hard time and they're they're taking lots of money from us and they're tearing things down and, and destroying things. I don't like what they're doing. Now, they're using it to expand the Roman gods. Everywhere they went, they put the Roman gods in place. God, I don't think Jesus said, pay pay Caesar what belongs to Caesar. We need to keep this in mind. There are certain things we do just because. They're not great. They're not wonderful. Where's our citizenship? It's in heaven. Where do I lay up my treasure? When it right, I'm laying it up in heaven. So that when I get to heaven, all my rewards are in heaven. Now, the good news is God does give us blessings and benefits down here, too. But, you know, think about this. How much has God blessed you in this world? And I'm just going to throw this out. I don't want anybody to answer. It's only a small percentage of what's waiting for you in heaven. All of what you're getting on this world, and I think I'm getting quite a bit on this world, is just a small percentage of what's waiting for me. We have the tip of the iceberg here compared to what is waiting for us in heaven when we really get into the true blessings when I get home. Keep these things in mind. We are sitting in a world, and again, I am glad to be an American. Don't get me wrong. I like being an American. I have been in other countries. I have been places where it's not fun to be a white person. All right? Uh, I lived in a one place where every time I drove, I got, I got pulled over at least once or twice a week just because I was white. I know what it's like to face that type of persecution. I know where you don't have freedoms to speak and do the things that you want, want to do because they're not there. We are fortunate that we live in America, and even as bad as it is in this generation, it is still better than most of the world. It is sliding fast. It is sliding fast, but we have a country that is worth celebrating. And sadly, the elites, the politicians, want us to be like everybody else. All the people who are supposedly smart and smarter than we are want no boundaries, no nations. Why? I don't know if you're aware of it, but you know that That they tell us that if we can get rid of all nations, we'll have no wars. There's wars everywhere. There's all kinds of civil wars. But the smart people are telling us if we just didn't have nations, we wouldn't have wars. Why? Because they believe people are good. God tells us that we all are wicked. And they have this idea that if we can just get rid of what seems to be... We would be all good and because people are really good they'll be nice to each other. I don't know where they live. I don't know who they've been exposed to that they think people are basically good people that don't take advantage of them. I've been to the colleges that they've been on and they are terrible places. People taking advantage of you all the time even at the colleges that they're supposedly getting this idea that everything's good and that people are good. Are there good people? relatively maybe (laughs) but God says we all have a heart of sin you ask most people if you knew that you could get away with something and there was no way that you would get caught would you do it and most people will say yes yeah I really if I knew that I could get rid of that person who's been really bugging me all the all these years and I absolutely 100% knew that I wouldn't I'd go out and do it now, most people will never tell you that in a conversation. You have to ask them in a way that is, you know, they know they're not going to be. But even as I said that, all of you were probably thinking, well, there's this person that I really, really don't like that much, and if there was just a way I could get rid of, and I knew I couldn't get, get, get caught, I'd love to be, wi- be without him. <laughs> we know the wickedness of our own heart deep down inside. We know we have a wicked heart. The good news is when Christ comes in, he starts cleaning that heart out. And the longer we walk with God, the more we learn to forgive, the more we learn to love, the more we get to the place where I don't want to see this person hurt. I don't want to see anything happen to them. Why? I eventually really want to see them in heaven. They'll be perfect in heaven. I can deal with them. <laughs> you know, they may be a pain in the neck here, but in heaven they'll be perfect and I can, I can be able to deal with them. Hell is so bad that we should never desire to see anybody go there. If you have this idea that somebody deserves hell, you don't understand hell. You really don't. You need to look at the scriptures and see what hell is. A place of eternal burning. A place where your conscience is going to be turning on you for eternity. Now just think about that one for a moment. Let's leave out the fire. Your conscience bothering you eternity how many of us have had done something and our conscience eats at us for a while at least here we can confess and get rid of it and and try to make make things good in hell you can't you'll have that feeling for eternity I don't want to see anybody go to hell I don't care how bad they seem to be on this world I don't want to see them nobody deserves to be that way and yet God says their sin sends them there we have a big problem that we're looking for. So why do we want to be good citizens and good patriots in our country? Well, we look at something like Proverbs 14.4. tells us, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What has kept our country as strong as it has been has been the righteousness of this country. The fact that the majority of the people were seeking after God and our country has been blessed for many, many centuries. And now we're at the place where our people are not righteous. Our leaders are not righteous. Our schools are producing a whole generation of people that aren't righteous. The worst thing that can ever happen to anybody is to send their children to a public school. The public school is going to destroy their morality. Yeah. If we had children in this nation and we were a large enough church, we'd have, a, we'd have a, a private school because I truly believe that it is a wrong thing to send our kids to these public, public indoctrination schools to be told everything against the Bible. And people send them there all the time. And I've, I've been around long enough. I've heard the excuses why they do it. You know, I want my kids to be missionaries. Uh-huh. They're not strong enough to be missionaries. Keep them at home and train them up so they can be real missionaries later on. Well, you know, they need the, they need the, they need the exposure. Well, I think they do, but don't, I'm not putting my kids in that, in that world. Because you know what's really interesting? And I've heard parents say, well, I'm sending my kids, and then I will retrain them when they get back and teach them the right way to think. So I'm going, okay, go honor your teacher, tell them what they want to hear, and then we'll tell you the truth because they're lying to you what confusion are we giving our kids You know, go listen to all the lies and then we'll tell you the truth you know but you're gonna spend six to eight hours in that den of den of lies listening to all of this and I want you to honor that teacher who's lying to you it's a tough world we're, we're really setting our kids up for a really hard world this is why we homeschooled our kids to teach them right teach them biblical it's very important that we do these. Righteousness exalts a nation. First Timothy two one and two. To our leaders. Really pray for our leaders. Now, I learned this lesson a couple decades ago on a particular president that I could not stand. I won't give his name. Uh, we're talking decades now. Don't 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 be thinking recent. But, you know, I couldn't stand the guy. And I was actually asked by one of the guys that I hung out with. He goes, have you prayed for him? Absolutely not. I want to see him get, I want to him out of office so fast. And I'm going, why aren't you? I go, what do you mean? And they gave me, God tells us to pray for our leaders. Do you want to see our leaders change? Start praying for them. Now, I'm not saying vote them back into office again. When you get a chance to vote them out of office, go vote them out of office. But are you praying for that Leader? Are you praying that God will get hold of them, will direct their paths, will get the, make them make godly decisions? Proverbs tells us that God turns the whatever way He wants them to turn. If we have bad leaders, we have them there because God has allowed them to be there. This is something we need to be understanding. We just went through a very contentious election cycle. All right, People are happy and not happy depending on what side of the coin you're on. But you know what? God allowed what happened to happen. All we can do is mobilize prayer for the direction we want to see things go and lift up God's word and say, God, this is what I want. This is what I'm praying in your name and be able to lift him up from children of Israel or Judah at this time that have been taken captive. They're going to be put into captivity Isaiah had already told them they're only going to be there for seventy years alright so they're going gener- you know, to at least one full generation and, and, and into the next generation to about three generations So verse 7 Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So again, God's decision that they were going to be punished. Now, if you get back into the story, they've been not following God. They've been worshiping idols. It says, build you houses, dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat of the fruit of them. Take you wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may increase there, and not be diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof you shall have peace. Jeremiah 29, 4-7. Did I say something wrong? Okay. Sorry. Jeremiah 29, verses 4-7. God told the people you're going to be captives. Dwell peacefully in the land. He was sending them to a land where Judaism was not going to be allowed to be flourishing. And yet God says, honor, pray for your leaders, honor them, live at peace. As our world gets darker and darker, we live a light of Christ. The good thing about getting darker is your light shines brighter. Even if you're just a small little candle, you go, I don't know much about God. I don't know where he's at. Your candle in a dark room will shine bright. If you know a lot about God and you're a good, good, good example, maybe you're going to be more like a, a small lighthouse or a buoy. People are going to see it. But the good news for us, if you want to the good news, is the darker our world gets, the brighter our light shines, and the more people will see the difference of God in your life. Is it easy? No. It's not always easy to live that way. But you know our job is just to be the candle. Just to give out the Gospel message. Just tell people that they need Jesus. If all you can do is tell somebody God loves you, that's a start. If all you can do is quote John 3:16 to them, that's got the whole Gospel message in it. How many of you remember before you were saved, how many times did somebody give you a message, give you a gospel message? Probably irritated the daylights out of you when they did it before you were saved, but you, something would be stuck in your brain. Something would be uh, that crazy person. I, why, why don't they just leave me alone? They're always wanting to tell me about God. I know I did that when I was a manager in a restaurant one time because I used to come in every week and go, you know what God did yesterday for me? And you could just watch most of the mem- most of my crew members' eyes just roll back. He's going to talk about God again. He's going to talk about God again. I don't know how many seeds were planted. I don't know how many people down the road remembered those conversations to, when, and turn to God. We don't know how God is going to use the seeds that we plant. You know, think about this. When you got saved, how many? Talked to you and led you to Christ. Do they even know that they were part of your salvation? Probably not. Somebody talked to you 28 years ago, <laughs> you know, uh, telling you about Jesus. You might not even remember, but a seed was placed in your heart. They're going to get credit for it in heaven. We in this church get credit all around the world as these messages go out, and every one of you that give an offering to this church and keep our internet up on the on the. On, on the site because I pay, pay to the church will have part of that blessing. I get the fun part. I get to be the one that gets recorded. Now, I don't know if that's fun or not sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, because I got all kinds of messages that are going to be used against me <laughs> when things really turn. And I'm the one that spoke them. <laughs> so I've got lots and lots of ammunition against me in a court of law to say that I'm one of those crazy Christians. And the question has always come up, and I I heard it long ago. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence against you to convict you? And this is something you want to consider. Am I living a life that somebody will say, this is a Christian? Or are they going to look at me, well, yeah, they said they went to church all the time, and that's about the only time I saw them do anything for God. They were angry at everybody. They spoke behind everybody's back. They gossiped. They they maligned people, they, you know, they were just as bad as everybody else. Or are you one that people say, no, that's a Christian. You may not, we're not going to be perfect, but are we living under our heavenly citizenships? We're told that we are ambassadors for Christ. I'm not sure if you've ever been around somebody, but an ambassador represents their country. I have a friend who was crossing a border over in Europe, and he had the ambassador's daughter in his car. And they came up on a long line of about 20 cars. And she said, you just pull over in the other lane and go up there. And he didn't for a long time. And he said, no, go over to this other lane. It's the, it's the ambassador's lane. He goes, but the ambassador's not here. He goes, just do it. And they looked at them, you know, like, who are you? And then she shows her ID. And they all of a sudden come to a whole other thing. Because he's driving a junker of a car. He's a poor pastor. You know, a poor missionary pastor driving a junker car, driving up to the ambassador's lane. <laughs> And all of a sudden, their attitude changed. As soon as they saw that ID for, her, for the daughter of the ambassador, we are ambassadors for Christ. Are you living a lifestyle that says, I am living a heavenly life? It's important for us. We live in this world. We are citizens of this country, but our greater citizenship is in heaven. Are we living as a representative of that citizenship? We're going to end here, because that's my challenge for us, is that we all need to be faithful to our earthly nation, but always is in heaven. So as we're celebrating the Independence Day for America, the important day for this country, keep in mind, be thankful for our country the way it is now. Be active in it. There's There are things going on right now that you should probably be writing senators and, and congresspeople and saying, this is not good for our country. And I'm not going to get into all the various things. You know them. If you've been paying attention, and I challenge you, pay attention. Because if some of these things go through, we're in trouble as Christians. We are in trouble if some of the things going before the, the Congress and Senate right now go through. And if you're not proactive, then don't complain when, it, when, it, when things bad happen to you. My dad always had a statement. If you don't vote, you have no right to grumble. Okay, and I believe that. But I also think if we don't write to our senators and everything, we have no right to grumble either. Even though we vote, we need we need to be able to say, this is what's important. Our country can turn dark really quick if we do not be proactive. The gospel message can be made against the law. We're already real close to the edge. We need to be active in saying, God, I want to stand up for it. In the early foundation of our country it was the churches that drove most of what happened in the independence war the churches looking for freedom of religion and freedom for people we need to be able to say god i did my part i don't think we're going to be victorious in the long run but i also don't want to be able to say well god i just stood back and watched it happen If you study the Hitler, movement of Hitler, the church stood back and watched it happen. And the famous statement, uh, Bonhoeffer said that, you know, I watched him arrest the gypsies, I didn't say anything. I watched him arrest the Jews, I didn't say anything. I watched him arrest these people, I didn't say anything. And when they came to arrest me, there was nobody to say anything. We need to be able to look and say, God, we cannot let injustice go. We need to speak up. Is the world gonna like it when we speak up? No, the world does not like light. It bothers the world to have light. But we need to be that light that says this is what's true. We need to be the salt. If it wasn't for the church, we'd be a lot darker than we are right now in in spiritual, spiritual world. When the church is taken out at the rapture, there'll be seven years with nobody saying anything against what's going on and the world will get awful. We think it's bad now. You have no clue what it's gonna be like without the world having a salt and light dampering its downward spiral. Our job as Christians is to get out and be a light. Speak up, you know, speak up. Do not be polluted by all the garbage we're seeing. If you watch the news, you're being bombarded with all this negativism and how we're not, you know, if you listen to them, we're in a lost cause. We shouldn't shouldn't even be doing anything. We should just roll over and go into our grave. And unfortunately, I think it's right, but I'm not going to roll over. I'm going to stand up for God's rules. You know, when somebody asks you, is this a sin, what do you say? Hopefully you say, yes, God says it's a sin. I've been asked that question on more than one occasion. Is this a sin? I go, God calls it a sin. Well, What do you think? I'm going, that's between you and God. I'm just telling you what God says. I'm not their judge. You're not their judge. But you do want to say, this is wrong. It is a sin. All the moves that we're going through, homosexuality, transgenderism, adultery, fornication, all the people in our country that live together without being married, that's fornication God calls it a sin how many of us are afraid to say anything to these people to say this is what God says not judging but this is what God says if they do not hear what God says then they can be able to turn to you and say well why didn't you ever tell me we need to stand up we need to be lights we need to be able to say I stand up for my true country heaven and I'm going to stand up for my current country here in America or wherever, for the people listening to it on the internet. You know, I'm going to stand up for my country wherever I'm at, but my true, heaven, my true country is heaven. I'm going to stand up for his rights, his, his direction, his, his way. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us, Lord. We thank you that we live here in America, in a country that is relatively free compared to most of the world and that you can be lifted up. But Lord, you help us to stand. Give us the strength and mobilization to stand for you in all we do. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you, and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says, the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6:23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5:8 says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this?